Hmm? Ah! Oh. All things Disney. And in fact, there's I, I can't say what it is right now, but I actually just uh, did some work for Disney, and I'll have to leave it at that. But it was no. a very cool thing for me, and when I can speak of it. Admit it, you're Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, I'm Baby Yoda. That was bad. kind of good, right? <laughs> Hey, Zed has welcome to the podcast. I'm Jason. This is the Walking Dead cast, episode 382. This episode is something completely different. It's all about being a fan of the Walking Dead and getting involved to a greater level where like it becomes a big part of your life, a bigger part than it already is. And I have a few great guests to talk about their experiences with this. And maybe you'll get some ideas or inspiration about turning your own creative activity into something bigger. But even if you don't have any intention of doing that, these are some of my favorite people that I've ever met over my years being involved in the Walking Dead world. (laughs) And I know you're going to enjoy hearing from them too. Later in this episode, I'm going to be talking to author Neil Cohen about his book, Business is Dead, Resurrecting Entrepreneurship Through the Fan-Focused Venture. But first, let me get to my first couple of guests. You know her well. She's an actor. She's the voice of Clementine in the Walking Dead games and sometimes Walking Dead cast co-host. Welcome to Melissa Hutchison. Yay! Yay. I am so happy to be here. I love, well, you're about to introduce another of my favorite people so i'll let you get to that <laughs> then i'll start spewing the love for the both of you yeah so next it's our first time guest novelist screenwriter director and author of i think eight walking dead novels which detail the backstory of the governor and more continuing stories in the walking dead universe so pleased to welcome to the podcast mr jay bonansinga thank you yay thank you thank you, you we're gonna be nauseating people with our mutual admiration we're <laughs> 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 just gonna throw up all over our microphones <laughs> Um, Yeah, really, actually, this episode was totally just an excuse to have you two on together. And we can pretty much talk about whatever we want. Great. (laughs) But I thought it would be fun to talk about how being a part of this whole Walking Dead world has impacted our lives and our careers and that kind of a thing. And I thought we'd start at the beginning. First of all, before you guys got involved, you know, on a professional level, you guys were already fans of The Walking Dead, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 hadn't, uh, I hadn't read the comics, but I was watching the, the show. Uh, I think it was in the, the second season before uh, I started doing the recordings for the game. So, yeah, I was already sucked in. It was Into like, it. oh, my God, this is like a zombie show, but there's actual, like, character development. I mean, it was, you know, horror yeah. genre, but something that you actually were – really sucked into the the, the characters and the, it was very story driven so that was awesome that's what really like caught people was 
like you get these horror fans who would have watched it no matter what. And mm-hmm. then they talked to their relatives. Come on. No, you really like it. There's great characters and just got everybody so involved. And yeah, into that's, it. I did. I totally was just like, no, 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 I get it. Cause I'm like, I don't want to watch a zombie right. thing. And I'm like, no, no, it's actually like the story is actually really amazing. The characters are so well written. So yeah. What about you, Jay? Well, I, I didn't, I, I'm, I had less knowledge of it when I got the call, you know, um, with a capital T and a capital C, I got this call and I'm like, you know, I I was literally like, I read a a blurb in entertainment weekly a few weeks earlier that I told my uh, agent, Andy Cohen, I I said, is, is this the, the zombie thing, walking dead? And, um, because I, I had worked with a screenwriter who wrote, and produced a feature film in the 90s called The Walking Dead. And it was about a unit in Vietnam of all African-American soldiers. And, um, you know, so it was kind of ironic. I'm like, I, b- oh, wow. but I read this blurb. And I so I immediately went out and got all the comic books. And I read the comic books. And I was just blown away. I, I could not believe. It seemed like. When I kept hearing these things about the show, because this was before, Melissa came in a, a little bit after I came in. I came in before the show had premiered. Oh, wow. So I didn't really know. I, I just started hearing more and more things about this show on AMC. And just the fact that it was on AMC was exciting. Because mm-hmm. they had Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Right. Yeah. Mad Men and, and, you know, the zombie genre is so pulpy and has such a, you know, it's so ghettoized. Right. In, in literary circles, you know, it seemed like, wow, this is a fascinating um, kind of paradox, this kind of pulpy subject matter, getting the Frank Darabont, you know, um, Gail Ann Hurd, AMC treatment. This is this could be really interesting. And, and so I really got lucky that I, I ended up getting there were like four other authors vying for it. And, you know, I got I got the job. So Stephen um, King and who else? <laughs> they never tell you. They never. Oh, tell really? Right. Yeah. A little writer from Maine, maybe has. A... <laughs> I remember thinking that too, though, when the show came out. I'd, I'd forgotten that that was part of it as well. I was like, oh, because AMC really was in this, like, whoa, you know, this <laughs> channel that had become putting out such quality content. So it was. Yeah. I remember yeah. being mostly intrigued. I mean, beyond the fact that I would have watched it anyways. Uh, but um, the fact that it was on AMC, you were like, "This is gonna be quality." I know, and Frank Darabont, and I, um, I loved the comics. In fact, I had an email exchange with Robert Kirkman a couple of years before because I, um, my wife knows somebody from HBO, and I was like, "Do you want me to try to pitch Walking Dead?" And he's, "Ah, oh, we already approached them and everything." So he'd been trying to get it going with everybody but yeah as soon as we found out it was gonna be on amc i'm like man i gotta start a podcast about that because i think it's gonna be great that's really interesting there's there's a there's a little bit of i don't think i don't think i've ever mentioned this in public or or mentioned it to anybody really other than the editor of the books telling me um the editor brendan denine used to work for the weinstein company oh wow (laughs) that's that's not the little nugget of trivia but it's (laughs) fascinating and he tried to buy right the rights to the walking dead to develop it through the weinstein company i mean the thing about the weinstein company is that they've 
produced tons of great shit. Sure, sure. To mention, yeah, yeah. It, it, maybe it would have. Yeah, it would have been interesting. I mean, it seems like I I've thought about the subject of our podcast today quite a bit, and I'm not just you know um, blowing smoke. I really have thought about this. Like, mm-hmm. what is it? meant to my life what what is it what does it mean to all the people that i have become close with like melissa Mm -hmm. Um, you know what what is it what is what does it mean to us and everything and um it seems to me like today looking back on it because i finished my contract with them a while ago you know and i'm off working on other stuff but it does seem like a time and a place that will never occur again it was just one of those perfect storms of cultural you know popularity that I, I can't I can't see it ever happening again I mean you cannot engineer that you, you can't it's got to be kind of kismet in my opinion you know to, to be as big as it became and yeah. and as penetrate the culture as much yeah totally. and to hit at this time when conventions are blowing mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. to have james startup walker stucker right at that time and capture right. it and right. where we all got to be a part of it where we would see each other regularly and have all these thousands of people congregated around it and yeah just and yeah i was going to ask you guys about that because your your contract is up with the books melissa the game's <laughs> wrapped up recently and yeah. it feels like even though i think walking dead is the writing is just as strong as ever it's been going for 10 seasons and the viewership's going down just as natural with anything like people just right. start to move on but so it feels like it's winding down and does that make you guys i guess you're you're answering that right now jay you're just sort of looking at it in the rearview mirror a little bit right yeah absolutely Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think, Melissa? How do, how do you look at it at, at this stage? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because uh, Jason was asking us if we were caught up on the show. And this is actually the first season where I'm like, oh, God, just due to life circumstances in general, I've mm-hmm. not seen any of the new season. And it's the first time in 10 seasons. So you hate and it And it now. has nothing to do. Yeah, I know. Well, if I'm not involved, most of it is the hell with it. Um, no, I, I most certainly don't. I uh, just... I, I feel like, ah, I, I was caught up on fear, but yeah, this last season of um, The Walking Dead. Um, I'm really sorry <laughs> that you were caught up on fear. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, all good. I, I really, I can't wait to hear actually what you think once you do get caught up to the oh. mid-season here, because there was some really mind-blowing stuff that happened recently. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will definitely, I'll check in with you. Maybe we can, cool. maybe I can do a quick podcast appearance. Awesome. Catching up with Melissa. Um <laughs> But no, it's been, it's interesting just because, you know, what you're both saying about, like, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, I plan and I am manifesting other, you know, big iconic roles into my life, but this nothing, you know, even if it's a character that's just as huge, it's just nothing can replace the experience um, of what we all went through in this time period. Um, it was, it's so unique and, uh, and and it is interesting. This last year has actually been really like oddly transitional for me. Like, um, kind of, I had to take time. (laughs) Like I had to really, and, uh, and I, I know my, my journey with it ended a bit after yours, Jay, but it definitely, and I know, I think we've talked about this. I really had to take some like mental time to process 
the ending of it and getting to spend so much time with it. And of course the drama with Telltale, all of it was just like, Oh God, it was like <laughs> the most amazing experience. And then some, you know, just serious drama. drama but then, yeah. yeah. And, but then I, I had to process not making six figures a year. And you can't afford a therapist anymore. So it's sort of ironic. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, being self-employed, uh, as we know, uh, in my time of like, I need to just take some time. But then I hit a moment where I was like, oh, shit, you know, I can't like not, you know, I can't slack on my audition. So it was interesting because it had this effect of like uh, also in this self-reflection and, and and, you know, taking that space, I also realized like, I need to hustle. So because yeah, <laughs> when the job ends, you know, it's not like it was my only job. But yeah, that was a, an yeah. amazing source of income. So, um, yeah, I know how I know what you're saying, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we kind of skipped to the end, but I, I do want to ask a little bit more about like, like, for example, um, when you're going into something like this where you're a fan of it but you're mm -hmm. going to create more content for the world of it of the walking dead in this case uh, did you think about either one of you how much you wanted it to you know, really fit in and feel like it was of the same thing versus how much you wanted it to stand apart as its own thing wow that's a good question yeah just like, you know, I would imagine if you're if they're like, OK, you're going to do something that's in the Walking Dead universe that you might think, oh, God, I better make sure that I please the fans by making it something that they're used to. I think Star Wars is going through this, you know, yeah, like right. it, it, some fans want yeah. and want it to be the same. And then if they try yeah. to be too original, they don't like it. Other fans. And I, I'd say I'm more one of these. I want it to feel like Star Wars or Walking Dead, but I also want new and fresh things, too. I I, I think in the beginning for me, just because I didn't realize, I mean, I knew the show was incredibly popular. I didn't know the following of the comic books and I'd already done so much work for Telltale Games that I was just like, oh, this is going to be a super fun Telltale project. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't even like, man, I'd better not F this up in the, in the seasons after, after the success of the game and, and re and, you know, the show building and conventions building with each new season, I definitely felt that pressure a lot more uh and if anything if if this isn't me saying it's going to happen because i have zero idea and it, probably not but if skybound did decide to continue with her character i think i would feel that that kind of like ooh, better be good it's gonna have to be incredible <laughs> yeah or don't do yeah. it at all just don't right. <laughs> right um but i don't know i maybe i I just, I don't, maybe you had a more of an idea of what was going on with the Walking Dead universe, Jay, but I think I was just like, wee, I'm going to be in yeah. this game about because, this new show that I've just started watching and actually love, you know? I mean, because right. the Walking Dead game was such a departure from, in some ways, what Telltale was doing, and it was, ah. I mean, I remember playing it going, oh my god, this is so good, like, yeah. I, it's like, heavy. Yeah, but yeah, you didn't know that going in that it was going to be such a big thing. Right. No, not at <laughs> all. all. Right. I mean, I I was used to amazing storytelling, but to go to the depths of that they went with it, yeah, it was as I was going and because of the recording process uh and how we record so close to the release of each episode, 
it was like I got to be on that journey of like, oh, holy shit, this is like getting crazy, kind of along with the fans. Um, so cool. it was cool. Jay, you saw, you read the comics and the governor yeah. in the comics was so like mustache twirling, just right bad dude. Right. I, I, I would imagine for you, it must've been like, how am I going to flesh out this guy? He was like Danny Trejo with like a really <laughs> bad hangover. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it's a great question, Jason, actually, because Thanks. my job was kind of to figure out what the gestalt was and stick to it because um i had to just translate kirkman's mythology into prose um it's a little bit like adapting a film into an it's like an it's like novelizing a film you, you know because i think a comic book is way more akin to m motion pictures than it is to you know, novels like prose novels. Um, it's let, it's more filmic than literary because it, you know, it, it's told in pictures and it's panels and it's, mm -hmm. and it's here and now there's very little internal, uh, you know, stuff going on in a comic book. It's very, you know, filmic in that sense. Yeah. Um, where, you know, a novel is mostly internal. It's, you really get inside the head of the character um, but that's what made it so juicy a gig. That's what made it the greatest experience, you know, jo uh, work experience, craft experience of my life. Because I, I was trying to push the envelope from the, you know what, I thought that I'm going to jump around, but I'll just really quickly say, I thought the show, the TV show, was at its peak with this one episode. And you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but it was the episode were Morgan and that one dude, I wish I knew his name because it's a sh it, I, you know, shame on me for not remembering this guy's name. It's like three uh, names, John something. Oh, and Eastman. He, yeah, and he yeah. was his, his guru and so he was good. teaching Morgan mm. how to, and that's all it was. It was like a twofer play. It was like a twofer Lynch, play. I think. Yeah. I thought the show had hit its peak. It was so brilliant. It was so it it was so sort of almost like Kubrickian, and it's it's created its own universe that wasn't like anything else out there, you know. And um, I was most inspired by that phase of the show. I, I couldn't even tell you whether that was season three or four or five. I don't know what season it was, but I, I thought it, it really hit its peak, and it inspired me because right at that moment, I was going into the phase of my own uh, relationship with Kirkman where he gave me the freedom to come up with the plots because up to that point um, I was writing the governor, you know, legacy. I was writing the rise and fall of the governor, yeah. you know, so that, that lasted for four books and, you know, it, it lasted maybe three of the seasons of the show. But um, then all of a sudden I was writing about Woodbury post governor and it was all, new material and it would become canon and it was such an honor you know but i was inspired by that one episode to like i need to do that you know in a literary sense nice. i need to you know i need to push this thing into areas that you know robert has explored or, or maybe hinted at but i go all you know push the envelope so yeah it was it was an you know i i as i said there was so much going on with the series and all the ancillary works being, you know, being worked on, because at the time I was also consulting on um, 
the Telltale game, Michonne. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was, you know, like representing Kirkman and, you know, saying things like, um, well, I don't think that would happen in Kirkman's mythology and, and really piss off the Telltale guys. They're like, who brought this guy in here? Go sit in the next room. What? I think that was one particular guy. <laughs> I'm not going to stick my foot in it, but. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I didn't know you worked on the Michonne game. That's so cool because oh, it's a great game. And uh, that episode was in season six. I just looked it up. And it, I, you're not crazy because Karen and I, that was one of our favorite episodes of the whole series too. that the couple episodes yeah. or whatever it was with Eastman. I guess it was just one. And, but what I want to ask you as you're talking about the, um, you know, fleshing out the just doing a literary spin and a more internal spin on the Walking Dead story is right. I'd love to hear. I kind of know this already, but I think our listeners would love to hear like your interactions with David Morrissey over it, you know, who played the governor. I don't know if you can hear that, but my cat just walked in. <laughs> I just heard in. it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's it's kind of like someone just hit this beautiful note behind you. Or you were like thinking like, oh, oh David Morrissey. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I, I give her the run of the house and she always like comes up and, and like walks across my, <laughs> my computer. That's yes. Right. I have to lock my door because I know that he read the book, your books as an inspiration for his portrayal. Well, it actually, it kind of goes for me, for me. I mean, you know, um, I don't want to act like, you know, let me tell you the true crux of the walking dead. It all goes down. But I mean, for me, this was the whole core, uh, you know, message of The Walking Dead. We discovered it when we, when Robert and I, you know, co-wrote The Rise of the Governor. It was the first book. It was the book that David Morrissey responded to so dramatically, like he really absorbed it, and and he was kind of playing the the the, the twist ending throughout most of his you know work on the series. He you know he really took it to he he kind of internalized it the whole and and you know. He's a fascinating actor because he's he's a British actor and most British actors they're all about craft they're not they're not about you know you know staying up late and, and making yourself tired if you're if the the character is supposed to be tired right. you know they're like you know have they're, you tra- yeah they're like during my time at the national theater <laughs> but, uh, Morrissey's kind of a combination of you know the Brit craft and and the American crazy method. You know he's he's like a he's a wonderful guy and he's a, an amazing actor. So, but we I had to get inside the head of this character that was drawn very arch, very broad in the comic book, and it's like how do you get inside the head of like a cartoon? You know, like bad guy, like you know. He was really a bad guy. He was scary. You know, he was great in the, he was perfect for a comic book villain, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, for people but, who haven't read the comics, I think he chopped Rick's hand off within a few yep. pages of meeting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's one really early on, right before he does that, he goes, uh, let me take you on a little tour. <laughs> like, no effing way would anybody go on a tour with this guy. You know? Right. <laughs> Oh sure, show me around. Oh, you want to check out? Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but just really, 
uh, you know, to, to stop rambling, the, the, it, it, we got inside the head of this guy who went horribly wrong and awry. And it turns out he actually was just sort of an ordinary mechanic from Macon, Georgia. You know, and anybody could have gone either the Rick route and become, you know, a hero or they could have gone the, the governor route and, and been a, you know, complete tyrant and scary, you know, because, because it's all in the name of the survival and protecting, you know, your children. And it's, it's, it's like that to me was the essence of The Walking Dead and why it worked for so many people on so many levels. It became so popular. It was really about ordinary people in extreme circumstances, you know, and how would you go? Would you go the governor route or the Rick route? Mm-hmm. That was the, that was the positive question. And, and I, I discovered that in that book. And, and, and after that, I got it. I, everything that we were doing made total sense to me. You know, that was it. Cool. That was cool. it. I want to ask you guys about meeting each other because it seems like every time we're at a con, you guys go out to dinner and I, I know it feels like you've been friends forever, but do you remember meeting and getting to know each other? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, was it, was it's, it like? I think the first couple of Walker stalkers, we didn't, we might've been passing, been introduced right. I think it was, I can't remember, oh God, I'm so horrible with dates, cities, times, whatever. We eventually, finally, our tables ended up next to each other. And, <laughs> and Jay, if I am totally screwing our beautiful introduction story up, please feel free to stop me. But I think <laughs> we actually just finally ended up next to each other and started like talking and like, oh, I've seen you at these and I'm, you know, it's, you know, really nice to finally meet you and just. Uh, yeah, we fell in love with each other. I mean, to be honest, it was pretty. You know, we're both happily married, but right. but we we had this like I I mean to be honest with you, the only thing I'll add, <clears throat> you, you just said it very well, Melissa, and I'm, the only thing I'll add to it is, I was so jealous of her lines. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice people crying I'm over there, Jay? Keen. I mean, you know, she had people lying. It was, she was Bruce Springsteen. I was like, you know, the bass in the band. You know, she was. <clears throat> she she had these lines. I could not get over it. And 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 I I understand. You know, I understood very quickly why she had those lines. You know, because you know, it's just you know, it, it, so many reasons. It's it, it. You know, it's not just Clementine, but that, of course, that's you know one of the big reasons is she embodied this amazing epic character that my hats off to Telltale will forever be, you know, a tribute to Telltale, that creation of that mm-hmm. amazing character, which was not from Kirkman. You know, that was a, you know, that was, that was a, a, a brand new original character. And maybe that did feed into the, you know, the Melissa, you know, um, mystique. But anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, it was the same. It's, it's interesting. Uh, because yeah, we yeah we are both with our our partners. As it turns out, it was kind of funny because Jay and I were just like, God, we have so much in common. Our humor, the yeah. way we relate to just exactly. everything in life, and then you know behind us, you know Jill and Dixon are organizing and do 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 like <laughs> super like I don't know pragmatic. I <laughs> and we're <Right>. just like <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
disease. That's true. That's funny. Yeah. You guys are we weird were, images. Doppelgangers, like <laughs> our, our, our spouses and and we were like doppelgangers. Yeah, of each we're other. like male female versions yeah. of each other as it turns it out. Really, it's hilarious, <laughs> really. <laughs> Um, For people who don't, I mean, a lot of people have heard Melissa on these podcasts before, but I don't know if you realize, and I I don't know if I've said it, but I've witnessed several people in line with Melissa just crying because because it's like they're meeting a beetle or something. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And there's usually, there's a few times if you hit it right, you'll see me crying with them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've seen that too. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so... Uh, special yes um yeah but, uh, but yeah that's you know this that's kind of you know one of the things with with walker stalkers uh I, there will be never ending gratitude for it uh, bringing uh both of you uh and and your people and all these people into my life because yeah Regardless of what the future holds, like this is this is forever. Right. <laughs> we are forever That's people. Well so. said. Well yeah. said. I I totally agree. Absolutely. It's really true. Yeah. It was magic. It was all. Yeah. I think anybody involved in it would say, yeah, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but it was magic. It is. It. It. I always think of that great George Harrison song. You know, all things must pass. Yeah. It, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to let. Even Kirkman used to joke about it, and I'm like, oh, he's he's. You know. He, he he can't believe that because he's like no there's no ending no this is going to go on forever i know i don't i haven't built in an ending i have no ending there's no there doesn't need to be an ending because it's not going to end and and i and i used to think is he serious he may be serious i wasn't <laughs> sure if he was serious and you know, maybe he was <laughs> maybe he was serious you know He's he's dumb like a fox. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, you're talking about the twists in the comic, and it was yeah. incredible, I thought, how he built in probably the biggest twist of all or the biggest shock ending by shockingly ending the book without warning anyone ahead of time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so that's over. And that, that shocked me in part just because I thought that the comic was going to outlive the show. Yeah, know? I did too. Well, I talked to some folks at Skybound who work with Skybound and they were just like, I mean, they had an insight at least, I think, a week or maybe two just because they had to start getting prepared for it. Hmm. But they also were just like, whoa, what? Because, I mean, that's pretty much been their main identity, you know, working with Skybound. So it was just like, well, 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 what what happens now? I mean, even though, you know, Kirkman is doing a bunch and, you know, it's not like Skybound's going to go away by any means. But, yeah, it was definitely a identity for a lot of people right right yeah it's weird like one thing i wasn't quite expecting talking to you two is uh, um i'm like feeling like oh yeah this thing is really wrapping up and um i'm feeling kind of sad about it but definitely appreciative of everything that it's brought i mean i guess i already have been thinking about that but i'm still like committed to podcasting about the show until the final day but at the same time i also like our numbers are down and you know i i'm struggling to make a living doing this anymore so i'm gonna have to start hustling like you melissa and figure out some other stuff too but i i mean no matter what happens walking dead cast will be here until the final day um yeah yeah (laughs) has that been announced I'm so out of the loop. Sorry. No, no, no. It's not over. It's not okay. ending. But I'm just saying, you know, it, everything yeah, ends. Yeah. Even but you're no right. What Kirkman just, says. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, 
You know, just I mean, I you know maybe I'm getting a little like um, grad schooly, but uh, <laughs> Kirkman always used to get pissed at me because I would just trying to find all the subtext and what are, what are the semiotics of this that we're trying to do. <laughs> Kirkman's like, Jay, please don't don't do that, and, and you know he could be, and that's but that's my kind of my point. Like he Kirkman, you know, his genius is pulling the rug out from under the reader. You know the comic book. Yeah, it, that's his genius. Just when you're you're thinking, you know, all right, maybe I've re- I'm talking. I'm speaking about the comic now. Maybe maybe you know we've had enough of Negan. You know Negan's. You know I'm get I get it. I mean let's move. You know just when you start to feel that you turn the page and then this big splash page of zombies whispering to each other. Right. right. I remember the first time I saw that. I didn't know. I mean, this was before the show premiered, you know, and I'm like, this guy is a genius storyteller. I can't wait to get the next issue. And, it, you know, that's to me, I've always said this, but that's Kirkman's genius. He's he, he's he's a certain kind of storyteller where he doesn't like to make a big deal out of things. He just pulls the Band-Aid off, you know. <laughs> yeah. He'll yeah. kill somebody. He'll, you know, he'll end. He'll begin. And, you know. You it, just like at the beginning of the Walking Dead, you know, experience or phenomenon, if you want to call it, you know, you it wasn't spelled out, but you could tell something special was beginning. Like the show, that first that pilot episode, you got this weird feeling. Nobody spelled it out. There weren't critics, you know, writing, you know, tomes about it, but you could feel it when you saw that opening episode, that pilot. Something special is beginning. You know, this is before Walker Stalker started, which was, you know, the fan-based convention for the listeners who don't know the origins of that, which are also kind of interesting. But, you know, when that first pilot started, you I, I think you could feel it in your in your gut. You know, and, and you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't literal. You know, it was just a feeling. It was an, you know, inchoate feeling this is special and this is beginning. Something's beginning here. I, you know, the timing, the zeitgeist, it was, it all came together in that pilot. Yeah. Who is this guy, Andrew? I thought he was the guy from Love Actually. What's he? <laughs> you know, we, we had been podcasting already for a few months because we started before the show started because I'd been a fan of the comics, but I was just hoping that it was going to be good, you know, uh, that I didn't yeah. hitch myself to something that wasn't going to fly. And so when I sat down and watched that first episode with my wife and a few friends, once it ended, we looked at each other and we're like, it's good. We were really thankful. <laughs> right. Like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, for me, I have to say this. I mean, I probably Robert. I you know, if 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 he hears this, I probably you know he'll say I'm never working with that son of a bitch again. But um, <laughs> the, to me, the show really ended for me when Carl and Rick made their exits. Mm. Um, it, it, after that, it seemed like everything was sort of like an epilogue, you, you know, because to me. That Rick Grimes character was one of the great. He will go down as one of the great characters, uh, you know, and uh, and you know, just for one in TV history, many many other you know genres probably uh, mediums, you know, but he's definitely one of the great characters in TV history, and he will go down. You know, hundred years from now, they'll still be talking about 
that Rick Grimes character. Like they talk about, you know, I'm going to date myself, but you know, Hawkeye Pierce, um, you know, Matt Dillon, you know, these, these characters, these iconic characters, you know, they're going to be talking about him. I, you know, it was, again, for me, it was magic. That guy was magic. He had some in, yeah, it was just indescribable, you know, and, and I was so, you know, like, oh God, I can't let him go. You know, I think they, they felt those pangs. They didn't completely kill him off. They couldn't, it wasn't, you know, that that you couldn't do it. Like physically you could not. I mean, I, I was simultaneously disappointed because it felt like a cop out that he would fly away in a helicopter and elated that my favorite character didn't die. (laughs) Right. So I had both those things going on at once, but you know what? I swear. I mean, I, a lot of our listeners too, that have stayed with the show thought are thinking now, wow, I can't believe the show is this good without Rick. In fact, in some ways it has opened up possibilities for other characters that weren't there normally. So I hear what you're saying, but I also see that it's really even interesting to explore the other characters without this him at the center like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's the best. Yeah, he's always my favorite. The the new showrunner when she came in, I I, again, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, King. Um, She... I, you know, she is brilliant. There's no way to, there's no other way to say it. Like yeah. she did the impossible. She did the impossible. You know, she took, you know, mash without Hawkeye Pierce and made it just <laughs> right. as interesting. Right. Know? Yeah. That's tricky. That must've been like, I Oh, I, th- I was my thing to step into. My thought was she's been around since season two as a writer on the show. And I yeah. thought, oh, man, it, you know, it feels like the show right now, after all the stuff with Negan, needs a new creative infusion of fresh energy. Right. And, but it turned out maybe she'd just been wanting to tell all these stories and wasn't able to until now or whatever. But anyway, yeah, right. she's right. she's been awesome. Well, hey, we're, we're, we've been on for a while. I, want, I have some questions from listeners that I would like to get to for you guys. Sure. Uh, Forrest Hall says... First of all, you have to tell them both that they are complete legends. Second of all, thank you so much. Thank you so much for creating and bringing to life such amazing storylines and one of the best voiced and development of a character in the whole complete Walking Dead universe, Clementine. Yeah, game is here, here. truly yeah. utterly amazing. Um, Melissa, take a bow. You are a vocal goddess. Oh, wow. <laughs> Morris, I need you to just come like you know, live with me. I don't think I've ever, I mean, this is really sounds again, like I'm really blowing smoke, uh, but I've never met anybody with the gravitas of Melissa, like, you know, the artistic gravitas, the things she can do and the things she has done and the things she will do. That's as nice and down to earth as her. I bet oh, everyone who was hearing me say this goes, you know what? He's right. <gasps> like I met her at the table. He's right. He's right. She's humble and sweet and friendly. And she's a badass. You know, she's amazing at what she does. I have never met anybody like that. Well, I am. I am blushing over here. Thank you. <laughs> That's so kind. And the feeling is very mutual. So, yeah. Thank you. It's another echo going on there, I feel like, between the two of you guys. (laughs) And he goes on, what's your predictions for the future of the Walking Dead universe? How far can it go and continue? A whole theme park dedicated to the franchise, maybe? (laughs) P.S. Please keep doing what you're both doing. You're amazingly great. 
Oh, that's well, sweet. Yeah, that was, uh, gosh, I don't know, after our conversation. And maybe I feel so just, again, not, I don't, I haven't finished the comics. I haven't finished the season. So now I'm, I, and I've just re- kind of mentally removed myself for a little bit. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. What the hell I mean, will like, happen? You know, I, I think I, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I might be like shooting myself in the foot and people will hate me for saying this, but you know, it's like that scene in Jurassic park where, you know, the, the, um, gold bloom character says, you know, you guys were so busy figuring out if you could make a dinosaur. Nobody paused and said, should we make a dinosaur? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, like I, they probably could do a theme park, but you know, uh, again, Robert Kirkman is, you know, he's an original, like he's sui generis. There's nobody like him really in, in, in popular culture. And I, I don't, I don't think he sees like theme parks, you know, I, I think he sees these as literary works as, as, you know, the comic is the Rosetta stone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I don't, you know, I'm sure Skybound, you know, they have a bottom line. They have people with families they have to feed and, you know, yeah, they they could do a, a friggin' you know theme park, but I really think somebody should pause and go, should we do that? You know, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I personally don't think they should do that. I no. think they should, they should really cap it off like the you know Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan. They should right. Jordan it out, right. you know, without him going on to do baseball. Right, without him, yeah, becoming a professional golfer. <laughs> like Bo Jackson? He did it? Anyways. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, no, I'm, I kind of am with you. Oh, sorry, Jason. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I just kind of feel the same way And um, as for, like, Clementine's story. You know, of course, selfishly, I would adore getting to play her, you know, in some other realm or version of The Walking Dead, but at the same time, um, it felt pretty good to end it when it was still really wanted and, yeah. and and specifically dedicated to the fans. This is the final season. It's for the fans and this is it. And it was like, Oh, you know, um, I don't know. I feel like some things can go linger when they, they should end on a, on a good note. I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean. yeah. I mean, after seasons, seven and eight, which I thought had a lot of great stuff, but were, were kind of dragged a bit. And, uh, I was thinking, man, they really need to wrap this thing up. And now with nine and 10, I'm kind of back in and I'm like, Oh, maybe it is possible when you think something has run its course for it to have a fresh, uh, infusion of creative energy and, and be loved again. But even with that, I, I've always been saying on the podcast, I think another year or two would be great. And I think, um, you know, I, I'm excited for these Rick Grimes movies and maybe that would be a great place to cap it all off. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 Great. yeah. yeah. That's good. I mean, you know, the, the, I think one of the greatest, you know, the, notwithstanding the magic of, of the walking dead, I think one of the greatest TV series that was ever created was breaking bad. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I wonder, I don't, I don't, know this for a fact but i wonder if one of the reasons it was so great is it had an ending built into it yeah. they you know really you know Gill- gilligan no knew um wh- where it was going to end yeah. so every episode in a strange way they had a direction they had a destination they so it felt urgent it felt you know and you couldn't take your eyes off it 
you yeah. know. Right. Um, Did so you watch that, El Camino? Yeah, I loved it. Me too. I, I, I it yeah. It's good, man. You got to watch it. I loved it. I, I, you know, I don't think it was just nostalgia, you know, for wanting to see him come back, you know, wanting to, you know, go back into that world. I thought it was a beautiful, yeah. you know, linear, uh, you know, nonstop action movie in a, you know, beautifully crafted. And Aaron Paul was amazing in it. Yeah. And, you know, it was just like putting on you know, a pair of jeans and better call Saul is pretty awesome too. Oh, so there's so a part good. of me that's like, oh, yeah. yeah, you got to wrap these things up. And another part that's like, Oh, we get more. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it's done into the creatives, I mean, if it's done well and to the yes. walking dead's credit, there, there are some creative human beings that are making it happen without it, you know, totally like flopping and being like, Oh, it's actually right. still intriguing. And that's, that's, uh, that's a really that's cool awesome. thing right. they've done. Okay, let me get. We got a few more of these. Let's see. Uh, Lara, Willie Swink, and Barry Evans both asked which other franchise or universe would you guys like to be a part of? Wow, great question. Oh, God. There's, how much uh, time do we have? <laughs> I'm probably not, again, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to kill, you know, get like really in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really, really close to making a deal. Uh, uh, so that I get to work on a legacy project of Stan Lee's. Nice. And um, that's kind of the ans- my answer to that question. That's what I want to work on. I mean, you know, it's I've been trying to close this deal for a year, so I, 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 I you know, it's I'm superstitious about even talking about sure. it. But, but, but I have to, I have to mention it because I, I've always been a huge fan of Stan Lee's and um, this thing that I kind of stumbled into um, it's a it's a fascinating you know uh, version of Stan Lee it's like a dark kind of you know post uh, modern version of Stan Lee that he created he created this before he died Um, and anyway uh, I can't give you any of the details, obviously, because we haven't closed the deal yet, but we're close. Yeah, that's we're, awesome. Hope you get it. That's a, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. I, I, how about you, Melissa? Yeah. Well, I said this, I'm like, how much time do we have? And then I actually started thinking and my brain went dead. Um, <laughs> because. <laughs> I, how much time do we have? Course, Nothing. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I can't think of not one thing. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, obviously there is, you know, in, in the world of voiceover uh you know if you were to book you know the the next spider-man game or you know i mean there's always you know the the biggins mm-hmm. but i think what about for like me, pixar or oh well yeah you're like nah. <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah, all things disney and in fact there's i i can't say what it is right now but i actually just uh did some work for Disney, and I'll have to leave it at that. But it was no. a very cool thing for me, and when I can speak of it, admit it, your baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, I made Yoda. You. <laughs> that was that kind of good, right? <laughs> a little pterodactyl, pretty, pretty but whatever. Um, you know, I, I think for me, yeah, of course. I mean, all voice actors. The you know, yeah, the Disney. Well, that's all one thing now, but Disney, mm-hmm. Pixar. Uh, animation ongoing an ongoing series of any kind um where you're just you know you're in the studio you've got you know 22 episodes lined up and you're like i love this it's so much fun um and as far as like game work 
Um, it's interesting because that was part of my transition. Uh, my transition. I talk like I just like burst <laughs> into some <laughs> weird like teacher or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the PowerPoint of Melissa's presentation. It's fascinating. <laughs> my transition is complete. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so funny oh my god no but uh it would be really cool to um again you know it, it is kind of weird to get out of and i'm sure people kind of like oh well she's the voice of clementine i don't want to just be i'm honored and and beyond grateful but i also you know had to kind of battle that like well everybody will just know me as clementine you know like yeah. artists i was just saw a tweet about Leonardo DiCaprio's movies for the decade and it was like Shutter Island and uh the one about J. Edgar Hoover and he just had uh, uh the Tarantino one Django Unchained right he had just all oh, these string of hits and and pretty different yeah. kinds of role the the new Dynamic. Tarantino one um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah yeah and so yeah Love. man you want you want a bunch of that stuff not just one right, right? yeah I just yeah I want to just uh, I want to because I am dynamic. <laughs> now I'm selling myself. <laughs> I can do other things. I swear. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I want to see you. Yeah, getting something totally different. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And I am. And again, it's like one of those things where I have had a few projects recently that have been really exciting, and, yeah. and I will speak of them one day. But um. Well, aren't yeah. you doing uh, Sailor Moon? That that was just the final season, so that's that's, that's done. done. And that was yeah, that was fun because I got to be a. Uh, uh, teenage boy and a uh, lady, all same character. It's confusing. Um, yeah, the transition too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It's all been very transitional. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I have been uh, working on some cool stuff. Nice. I guess I don't know. That was a really long-winded answer. Yeah, well, Disney. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Let's see. Melissa Damien Kent says I'd love to know if you're still watching Fear the Walking Dead and where you think it's going uh, Melissa and Jason were the staple of the Fear the Walking Dead cast when it began when it was good and I'd love to hear your opinion of the show right now oh well thank you um, and yeah that, that was so much fun uh, podcasting with you um, oh. on that show that was the very beginning that was a while ago um God, remind me how the last season ended. It Where was, are we at? It was that uh, Virginia character. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let me just tell you, and I, you know, my credo for podcasting has always been we podcast about the things that we're all fans of. We want to enhance your experience of these things. And so fear the walking dead started to be a thing that I didn't was not excited about. And I, I, I pulled the listeners. I'm, you know, I'm not really into it anymore. Do you still want me to podcast about it? Yes, we do. So we did. And me and Lucy, you know, Lucy Henny, yeah, she's yeah. from Scotland. We just oh, started yeah. ripping the fuck out of it. And oh, it, it, it was kind of fun, but it's like, yeah, this is not what we're all about. So we decided that, you know, next season we're just going to like do a wrap up at the end or something like that. Okay. So that's where we stand with it, but I don't. Interesting. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I, I had, I don't know, it wasn't the, this last season. I have had some moments, and again, as you all know, the listeners who know me, I'm like, I like everything. I'm pretty easy for for entertainment and shows and movies. Um, I'd make a horrible critic. Let's just put it that way. 
but I did have some moments of like actually kind of like you know queuing up to watch the show with kind of like a all right well I guess let's watch it yeah you know um but I'm still invested I, I the way they ended this season um and yeah that chick ugh, um I don't know where the hell it's gonna go because now they're all in that weird like well we're all separated and it's all weird um wow I don't know are you gonna keep watching I'm going to keep watching. Mm. I am going to keep watching. Okay. Um, You're going to keep watching Walking Dead? Yes. Yeah. That has just been a thing of like, I just haven't had a chance um, to get to it. For sure I will. Good. Um, that makes me happy. I, I don't know why, but. Well, I but I feel you. I, I, I can relate to you kind of. Um, Karen, I don't know. I don't think Karen's watching anymore. Yeah, I feel like she dropped off a she while kind of ago. Dropped off, she? yeah. We've been doing our yeah. Jason and Karen show where we just talk about other pop culture stuff, which is really fun. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch the uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. I, I, I it, you know, I couldn't watch it because it was a, it was a spinoff. It was, a, it was a, um, it was a different mythology, and uh, it. I mean, I'm so easily confused. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I needed to stay focused on the comic book. I mean, I, like I, I really had to do that for my own work. Yeah. You know? Is that pretty um, common with you when you're working on something you have to kind of watch your intake? Um, that's a great question. Yeah. I, I mean, but you know, the, if I'm just working on an original work, then I can watch anything and read anything. I get inspired by great stuff when I'm working on an original work, but when I'm working on a, you know, for hire, work that has such a complex mythology like the walking dead i do have to be careful mm. you know what i what i use as my source material like if i start going well they're doing this in fear the walking dead that's a mm. great yeah we ought to bring that in that you know then i start to get in trouble yeah and, you know I, I i saw the first couple of episodes with the entire walker stalker stalker staff you were there melissa you you were there right. too Jason, i yeah. think you know we watched it was really exciting. wizard of oz well, you were there. <laughs> I was. It took me a moment. I'm like, wait, what? And you were there too, Auntie M. Jay Megan Dively Lemon yep. says, "I'd be interested to hear if you've had any interesting discussions with the cast about differences between your work and the show." Well, that that's an excellent question because um, the 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 most of the discussions and the fascinating discussions that I've had are are with David Morrissey. Um, which you can understand why, you know, like he, you know, four out of the eight books I wrote for Skybound, he was, you know, the central character of. And so I felt like, you know, he, he would, he was in my bloodstream, you know, he was, he was in my genetic makeup. I understood that character. And you met him at Walker Stalker, right? After you had already written the books. I, I think I, I met him like when I was maybe you know working on the fall of the governor books. Okay, okay. I, I finally met him in yeah, San yeah. Francisco. That's that's you know ironically that's where you know I met him was that great one we had on the pier. Yeah. In San, you know that was such a Fort great Mason, yeah. yeah Fort Mason. That was the first time I met him and but we we became really close friends and we talked we philosophized and talked about you know the whole idea. Uh, you know, of taking this comic book character and putting a real kind of complex backstory and, and you know, psychology to him. And yeah, maybe that was one of the most 
rewarding things that happened is, is getting to know David and seeing his, his process and then seeing how it jibed with my process on the book and everything. It was just, it was really fascinating. I know also I'll just say real quick, um, in addition to that, I can't mention any names, but I, I found fascinating how personal many of the actors took their deaths on the show. Mm-hmm. And I had some freaking weird, interesting, fascinating conversations with disgruntled yeah. cast members who didn't like the way that their character went out. Hilarious. I'm going to cut this out, I promise, but I bet you $1,000 <laughs> one was lost. <laughs> why would you say that (laughs) all right no um but jay do you remember anything in particular i'm just curious that uh david said um well he you know he he's he said so many things like you know i'll even tell you some things he said in public like he said he said in public you know he purposely stayed away from the comic book um because and i don't remember his exact words but he, he he thought it was so sprawling and epic and had, and it was so, you know, it was sort of like unto itself. It, it was like, it was too big for him to try to study to get his own performance. And that's why he turned to uh, this single volume, Rise of the Governor, still available at all your <laughs> finer bookstores. <laughs> um just in time for oh, Christmas is over. Okay, the new year. Uh, <laughs> You've been meaning to read more. <laughs> but but yeah, he, you know he 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 said in public like he stayed away from the comic book, but he read Roberts and Jay's book Rise of the Governor because it was sort of like this manual to how this guy could get to this point, you know, morally, you know, and just start out as this you know pretty much ordinary kind of redneck you know, but decent, you know, human being with a daughter that he loved and he was divorced, but he loved his wife and his wife died and he had tragedy in his life. He had feelings. He had, you know, we talked about all that stuff and he used it in some of the really great episodes, like the one where he, he and Rick stare each other down across the table and there's a gun under the table and it's sort of really, it's like De Niro and Pacino, you know, and, and, um, he really had meetings with, those directors who directed those episodes saying, you know, let's bring in this thing about my wife's uh, car accident, you know, and losing my wife. And let's bring, you know, he brought stuff from the book into the show. And, uh, you know, again, such a great moment to be a novelist and just just a work for hire novelist and, you know, be part of this. It was just so it was such a heady kind of moment for me. That's awesome. Okay, I got just a couple more. Sarah Larkham wants to know, Melissa, are you going to be in season two of The Wolf Among Us, which was just announced recently? I know. That was exciting. I at first I was like, "What? Hell no!" Because I I knew the you know I know I knew I still know them, you know the two leads on that uh, project who were uh, just so inextricably tied, tied to it. Yeah. Oh, my God, when the hammer fell. I mean, they were, like, to the point where they're like, all right, we've got the story. We've got what we're going to do. Let's make the game. Boom, hammer drops. Um, so at first I was like, oh, I don't know how to feel about this. But then I actually got in touch with uh, one of the, the leads and Nicole Martinez and was just like, hey, <laughs> is this good? But as it turns out, it's being made by Ad Hoc, who is, and especially the Walking Dead fans, 
It's Dennis Leonard, Pierre uh, Charette. I think, did I hope I didn't mess up his name? Um, Nick Herman. These are people who worked on the first uh, seasons of The Walking, who worked on The Walking Dead. They're all ex-telltellers. And they worked on The Wolf Among Us. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. So it turns out that it's actually a good thing. It's so cool that, you know, that whole thing happened with Telltale where, oh, Guess what, guys? Rug pulled out. It's over, and yet, and yeah. and the money ran out. But then, no, people rallied around and have continued some of these things, and hopefully more. Totally. It's like, no, we're not going to let it die. Right. Well, these guys had left. They had left Telltale before, and they started their own thing, just like Sean Vanneman and Jake Rodkin. Mm. Uh, so, um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that because I don't know. You don't know yet, right? Uh, I don't know yet. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's it's still in the very beginnings. Um, but I believe, I believe uh, Adam Harrington and Aaron Yvette are definitely you know Snow and Bigby. So, um, which hopefully I didn't just say that. No, I think uh, that's public. I think it's yeah, yeah. It's been. I mean, they had a trailer for it for Christ's sake. Yeah, so yeah, yes, yeah. I hope the story goes in the direction of having all the Fables characters, Beauty, Toad Junior there and I, I hope they uh, use me for it. It would be kind of crazy if they didn't considering like how close I am to the people who are making the game. Um, but I just don't know what the story is going to be. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, they're yes, just not prob- probably at the point yet where they're hiring all the actors and everything. Voiceover, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think I bet know, you'll be in it. Yeah. 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 Me too. I I think so too, but it has I don't know yet. Okay. I'm I, super excited. I I actually have a ton more questions and we could keep going forever. Be awesome to have you guys both back on it again sometime to just go deeper into some of this stuff, but we've been going a while. So I will end just by asking you what you're working on now or, or actually more, what would you most like it if our listeners went and checked out of yours and how can they find it? Wow. Oh. <laughs> well, Melissa and I are we're ta- we're going on, on a two two person um, road show. Um, oh my god! Can I moderate? <laughs> yes, please. Can we really do this now? Nuts. Now I'm just like it. Just like it needs to happen. <laughs> just like a TED talk in various cities, <laughs> right? Or like a kind of an Anthony Bourdain thing with the three yeah. of us. Just can I we don't just know do like an doing. improv TED talk? We'll just decide the topic right right. right at the beginning. Yeah. Throw out some topics. (laughs) Yes. I kind of like the idea of a travel show, though. I think we do really well um, (laughs) traveling and doing random shit. And I think people will love it, and I think they'll watch it. (laughs) Well, I do want to mention that if you guys have not read Jay's books yet, they... Uh, and they really flesh out the governor and then he goes on with uh, uh, more books in this Walking Dead universe with Lily Call as the protagonist. And my favorite thing about your books, I mean, uh, it shows people at their most despicable and the, at also at their most, I don't know, like heroic. But mm-hmm. also it's just such visceral descriptions of the zombies that you can totally picture it in your head, whether you want to or not. And uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. Thank the, the, you. The writing. Thank so check out Jay's whole series and you guys are going to love him as walking dead fans. And then of course, if you haven't played the walking dead games yet, after all my hyping, you're <laughs> nuts. And you know, if you're not a gamer, I mean, this is not going to give um, Melissa any paychecks, but as a last, 
last resort, just even just go on YouTube and watch them because uh, it's just such a great story in the walking. It's one of the best stories in the whole Walking Dead universe, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, I, totally I agree. agree. So thanks, guys. Love you both. Pleasure, Jason. But, you know, I just wanted to thank you for being so cool and so much fun to work with. And you were just sort of like this, you know, sane, you know, cool presence at a lot of these Walker stalkers. It was so great to get to know you a little bit and, and work with you. You're, you're, you're just the best. I mean, really, uh, maybe it's good that I'm not saying this on online because, you know, it comes from the heart. I'm not trying to impress anybody or, you know, you really, well, uh, when you started this brother, sentence, I hit record again, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you, you can have it, uh, please. Thanks, Jay. You're, um, yeah, no, I mean, dude, I can't believe yeah that I haven't had you on before, but even aside from that, you're one of my favorite people in all of this for sure. Uh, no, no you. question. And I would really hate it if we never see each other again, just because this is over. So hopefully yeah. no, like if you're ever in the Bay like area, that. you definitely yeah. let me yeah. know and we'll absolutely hang out. Yeah, I know. And I don't want, I don't want our panels to end or again, <laughs> the friendship is we already got it. We're friends for life. Yeah. But yeah right. hey, also really nice like you know if you're ever invited to a convention melissa maybe um yeah. let me know and i'll ask if i can go and moderate for you or something like that yeah I, i've been kind of curious about idea. trying other conventions just yeah, i don't know if that's what i want to do as a career or anything but just to see what it would be like so that might be a good well, sure. way to do it it'd be fun you're Great so idea. good at it you Thank are you. so yeah. i'm not yeah. just you know it's Still really? recording, so yeah, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you're just you're so thoughtful, and your your demeanor is is just easy and comfortable. Some people can be a little like you can tell that when you're talking, they're like, I don't know, right. spacing out and thinking about what they're gonna. Yeah. How they're gonna be amazing or next. A lot of people just sort of uh, they have a list of questions, and they just kind of they're nervous. But I it helps for me when I'm really interested in the thing. And I don't know if you know this, Jay, but Melissa was my very first panel ever. And uh, oh, that's cool. It, it was easy yeah, because cool. I really did love the game. So I just yeah, yeah, super fun. Good, good yeah. one to have as a first yeah. one. Yeah, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. She was well, my first one too, but we just did it like in the bathroom. Of, <laughs> uh, <Hilton. laughs> so what are you doing over there? <laughs> Why are you in the women's bathroom? Oh. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Yeah, I love you both. Yeah. Well, have a great new year, you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Now it's time to welcome our next guest. This is the author of the Exit Zero Zombie Trilogy and Business is Dead, Resurrecting Entrepreneurship Through the Fan-Focused Venture. Please welcome to the podcast, Neil Cohen. Welcome, Neil. Thank you for having me. Yeah, good to have you on. This is really cool because it's something completely different than what we usually do. You know, we usually cover The Walking Dead, but it's really fun to dive into the other aspects of The Walking Dead during the break here. 
And actually, that is, let's jump right into Business is Dead first. Then I'll ask you a bit about the novels after. But that's one thing that's particularly great about your book, Business is Dead, because it's focused on something that, as far as I know, no other book has focused on, and that's fantrepreneurship. Would you say that's right? You got it right, and you actually pronounced it correctly. Congrats <laughs> to you. Good job. Yeah, there, there will be a written and verbal test after this. I had to take a minute with that, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> what I wrote about was um, fantrepreneurship. Now, fantrepreneurship is a made-up word, obviously, but <laughs> it is a combination of fandom and entrepreneurship. And I based Businesses Dead, Resurrecting Entrepreneurship, on the many, many people I've met, just like yourself, who uh, were fans of The Walking Dead and launched a business, a artistic venture, a charitable venture, uh, whatever you want to do, uh, whatever they wanted to launch, uh, but based primarily on their fandom of The Walking Dead. And that's where the topic really came from, through meeting all of these really creative, talented people who launched their very first venture, not just to get rich, not to make money or to start their um, uh, business empire, but because of their undying fandom of the Walking Dead series. Mm -hmm. And I mean, with the way the culture has gone in the last couple of decades, it's such a it's such a fan centered, you know, pop culture is huge. And there's all these communities built up around these different properties. And there's probably so much more opportunity to really dive in and become involved in some way that is tailored to your particular skills or drives. But I, even before we get into that, I would say like these days, even the top people creating the properties, you could call them for entrepreneurs sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, the, the term outside of fandom is really the called the gig economy. And there's so many people now pursuing the gig economy, especially millennials, uh, who say they want to launch a business, but not be tied down to one firm company or one firm business track. They want to be able to jump from, uh, you know, interest to interest, company to company, uh, almost freelancing was the term uh, years ago, but now it's called the gig economy. And, uh, and this really rips off of that gig economy. Just last night, I was watching a, a series which I'd never seen before. It was, uh, it was on reels, and it was all about the behind the scenes and the economy that grew up around Star Wars. And all these different people who launched their own fandom-based movies, podcasts, books, uh, crafts, uh, um, uh, modeling based on their just absolute uh, love of Star Wars over the years. And now it's it's a billion-dollar economy surrounding Star Wars, you know? But if someone, you know, back in 1978, 79 said, hey, I'm going to start a business here and it's all about my love of Star Wars, people would have rolled their eyes. Mm -hmm. Are you, with this book, are you hoping to inspire fans who have hobbies around whatever they're a fan of to take it a step further? Exactly. And 
I, I say in the beginning of the book, look, this is not a technical book. This is not how to run your own business with the tax and the legal and the financials. You know, there's uh, there's uh, 10,000 books on how to run your own business, and they're all boring, and none of them have zombies in them. So this is more for, I really want to start my first fandom. But I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to do it. I, 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 I'm not an artist or I, I, I don't know. I don't want to do a podcast. You know, what can I do surrounding The Walking Dead or any fandom? It doesn't have to be Walking Dead. I use The Walking Dead as a base, but this is really for anyone in any fandom. But how can I start something? And I highlight 12 different tracks that people have followed uh, from baking to touring um, uh, different sites where they film to uh, creators and crafters as well as authors, artists, podcasters, everybody. Pinup model. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's another thing. I talk about Instagram models who, uh, you know, are focused on growing their fan-based business, uh, but based on the horror community. So it's a bit broader than just The Walking Dead, but there's a lot of uh, uh, pinup girls or Instagram models, whatever you want to call them today, that, uh, that are kind of focused on the horror community, and then they're trying to grow that um, fandom of themselves, and then they start marketing it and promoting products and uh, doing personal appearances and everything. So it seems like, you know, I, I first met you at the Walker Stalker Con, and that is just like a hotbed of all this activity, right? It's a very good hub to get in touch with all these different kinds of people who are involved in all these different ways. Yep. But what made you, is that kind of what made you want to focus in on The Walking Dead in particular? Well, I'm a fan of The Walking Dead. Yeah. So if I'm going to write about fandom, I'm going to have to write about something I really know and understand. Like, I'm a fan of other shows. I'm a fan of Game of Thrones. I'm a fan of other series, but not to the point like that I've written about and chatted about and talked to people about with The Walking Dead and the zombie genre in general. That's my personal fandom, and that's what I launched my business on. My own LLC was based on my passion for the zombie genre and wanted to be part of it, not to become you know, famous and not to become wealthy because I've become neither, but it was <laughs> I wanted to be involved in that community. I was such a fan that if I went to a conference and I was exhibiting and selling my content, my books, and I didn't ha sell a lot of books, but I spent the entire weekend just talking to fellow fans, I had a great weekend. I didn't walk out of there saying, man, I failed, or that sucked, that was a complete disaster. No, because I'm a fan, and I talked to other fans. So it was a great weekend. Now, if that's the way you're approaching it, you can't fail mm -hmm. in this industry. Yeah. Podcasting has been the same for me. I, I'm, I'm always just like it. As long as it's fun, then it's great <laughs> if you're having fun doing it. Exactly. Exactly. And like, there's other people at these cons that are not super fans that have businesses like, you know, like I'm not putting them down, but the guys that do like T-shirts and pops. Sure. They'll be at 
Walker Stalker selling Walking Dead and, and zombie-themed T-shirts and pops. The following week, they'll be at a sports uh, event selling different T-shirts and pops, and then they'll be at a Sopranos con selling different T-shirts and pops. Now, they, you know, they're still entrepreneurs, but they're not fan-entrepreneurs. Mm. They may even be a fan of one of those genres, but that's not their that's reason. That's how it drives them. Yeah. Exactly. They're there to be they sell T-shirts, pops, and they're going to be at a different con every week. Now, that's still pretty cool. They're still into the pop culture. But I'm talking about the people that have launched something based on one genre. They said The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or Harry Potter. And they sit there and they craft or they paint or they write or they talk um, about that particular genre. And they can talk uh, ad nauseum about it and not be bored because it is what drives them. Most likely, most of these people that are fan entrepreneurs are kind of like superheroes. They have a this is their secret identity. They have a normal life that is they're an accountant, they're a lawyer, they're salesmen, they're whatever they are, and they probably can't fanboy out at their normal work. They probably could, but they pro would feel embarrassed or, you know, feel it diminishes their standing in some way. They can't sit there and talk to their fellow accountants about their uh, th that they weekend, they dress up like Harry Potter and go to cons. <laughs> or they, if they do, it's just things. like a small little part of it. Right. But they can't really let their freak flag fly. Exactly. <laughs> and they and, and it's kind of like a, it, it's either you, you can keep it as a fun, cool, secret identity that, wow, every weekend I dress up as a character <laughs> and I go to different towns. Um, or or there's people that are just like, man, I would, uh, like I've met so many people who said, I would love to talk about this. I, I write um, um, science fiction novels under a fake name because I don't want anyone to know that it's me writing them. I'm like, man, you're just... You're, you're hiding a whole part of your life from everybody, not just your coworkers, but your friends and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's that can be a shame. But other people like to keep it as their secret. Yeah. Event. Yeah. Like I don't really post a lot of my podcasting stuff on my main feed in in Facebook. Occasionally I do, but mostly it, it does feel kind of segregated or compartmentalized, I guess. It's not yes. exactly hiding. Me, but... I am I am an attention whore. Yeah. I <laughs> I do nothing but promote. If I'm on social media, it's for one purpose and one purpose only. It's promoting, promoting. myself <laughs> and my books and my appearances and, and promoting because I've decided, you know, and, and I'll tell you a story. When I first wrote my first novel, even zombie novel, which was, uh, I started in 2013. It was actually published in 2016. Everybody told me, Neil, don't do this under your name. Oh, my God, this is the end of you. You're going to be so embarrassed. It's, uh, you know, you're a professional. You work in a very serious business. And, uh, you know, people are going to look down at you. It's going to, no one will even want to stand next to you. What an embarrassment. You're going to write about zombies. Oh, my God. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to do it. Uh, you know, let it, let the chips fall where they may. So I published under my own name and I promoted it on the same LinkedIn and uh, Facebook that I promote my professional self on. Well, I, not, the professional self is more on LinkedIn and such. And uh, and it was just the opposite. 
everybody wanted to talk about it. Um, people would come up to me and that's where I found out this whole subculture of people I knew in very senior and professional positions come up to me and say, Neil, I, I'm a bit, a big fan of this, or I've done this on the side, or I, me and my kids go to these cons all the time. Uh, I've been writing, um, you know, James Bond style novels, uh, under different names and no one knows about it. Not even my closest <laughs> friends know about it and everything. And, and, and or they've wanted to do it. They've always mm. wanted to write or to paint or to craft. And they had no idea how to do it, how to even start. They've been doing it for years secretly in their basement. And now they actually want to bring this out. But they don't even know where to start because mm. it's a different world for them. Well, yeah. And I'm sure there's some people listening who are just in that same position. And so I definitely recommend checking out this book. And it's the way it's laid out is there's a chapter for each person who does uh, this, like uh, Neil just mentioned, various different kinds of things related to The Walking Dead. And I want to ask you a little bit about about the people. Like, what was it? I mean, Jay's in there. Jay and I'm in there. And my chapter is right next to Jay's, which is pretty cool because I love Jay. Yeah. Um, but uh, there, there's Sean Clark, who represents Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Norman Reedus for conventions. There's uh, Dave Nagy, who does these gory latex sculptures of you know, zombies and severed heads and things like that. There's Anthony and Deanne Musicar who do their dog walk of the dead. They, their um, charity fundraisers and a whole bunch more Scott Spillman, the amazing artist. So when you went around and I mean, I, I assume you had a lot of phone interviews, but what was it like talking to the, these different guys? Were there really varied personalities or do you feel like there's something that the entrepreneur all, they all share? Well, some of them um, obviously are, uh, are are much more in than others because they they they've full in that mm -hmm. they have no side gig. Like Scott, this probably. Is their, right? yeah, yeah, that this is that this is either they're going to be very successful or they're going to fail. It's it has it moved beyond uh, uh, fandom uh, focused weekend stuff on the side in the evenings. And that's one of the things that I think most of them hope for most everybody that does this hope for that this could become, you know, a nine to five gig that this isn't an hour a week or two hours on the weekend, or even just, or even a whole day on the weekend, that it will become one day on the weekend, then two full days on the weekend, then maybe they're having to take off some time from work, and next thing you know, this whole thing has taken off, and this is a full-time gig for them, and then you're actually working, uh, doing what you love. How many people can actually say they've, they're doing that, that, they're, that they came up with their own idea, and doing everything they love, and they're making a full living at it. But like some of them are just fascinated because one, it was it was all different educational levels, all different background levels. Uh, obviously, everyone had a passion for Walking Dead. One of the most interesting, I think, was talking to Dave Nagy. Um, here's a guy, uh, his whole story. He was a auto mechanic. He lost his job. He was looking for something to do. He went up to the haunted house. He's a tall, thin guy. He dressed up like a zombie, went to the local haunted house because it was October and said, hey, you know, can, can I work? And they're like, sure. You know, and they gave him a gig and 
he's there and he's looking at the um the the body parts the arms the legs that are laying around and he's like well where do you get these from and the guy's like oh i order them online and he tells the guy and then he tells dave like the website dave looks up and goes holy cow this guy's paying a fortune for this stuff it's very realistic looking latex body parts and the guy's paying an astronomical amount of money so dave literally goes into his garage and he starts messing around with latex and wire and cotton and he builds a hand and he takes it back to the guy and he says how's this looking the guy's like i love it i'll buy it off you so dave goes and builds some more next thing you know he's selling them to other local haunted houses and then just as a goof he posts them on facebook to show off to his friends what he's doing and he starts getting more orders from around the country and then even overseas and next thing you know like a television uh commercial needed something and so he's doing this out of and he formed Dave's Dark Realm and he's building it out of his basement and he bought some more equipment and he's building bigger parts. And and uh, when I interviewed him, he's like, you know, why would you care? You know, why are you interviewing me? I, I have one full time employee and I run the business out of my garage. And I was like, do you understand how unique you are? You are a fan of The Walking Dead. You are not a business school graduate. He's not a college graduate. He is an auto mechanic who lost his job. And instead of just sitting around complaining, he went out and identified a niche and filled it and has started a company. How rare is that in the United States of someone like that who just saw a niche that, and it's not even a niche like, wow, I don't really like that, but I'm gonna make some money. No, this is his passion. This is working in the yeah. world he loves, The Walking Dead, building props, and he started a business. I was like, you are rare, man. Uh, <laughs> That's the thing, too, about him. I mean, his his stuff is amazing, and he's so talented. And we did that panel with him, and you and I were on, and a couple other people, and he just seemed so unassuming and humble and um, kind of withdrawn and yeah i could totally see him being like oh i didn't even know anybody would like this but he was just doing it because he was driven to do it and i think a lot of times that's why these people if they're successful they are because they're driven by this passion and so it really shows in the product and it kind of i mean you do have to promote yourself but if you have a great product like that then it's more likely that it's going to go somewhere and and he definitely represented the, the personality type of a lot of the artists I met. Um, I said to him, I go, man, when you're at these shows and you're in your full makeup and you're promoting your company and you're dressed as a zombie, you are in, you're, you're committed to the bit. You never break character. I said, how do you do that? How, you know, you don't, you don't break out and say, oh, I'm tired of this. And he's like, well, because he's a, generally a naturally shy guy. And when he puts on all the makeup, everybody wants to take pictures with him. Everybody's staring at him. But he can transform into something else. And he can <laughs> be that outgoing person. That is like a superhero. Exactly. But I've spent so much time talking to other, specifically authors and artists, who are generally introverts. And I would see them at these shows. And I would go up to them during a break. And I'd say, hey, how long did it take you to make this painting? And they'd say, like, you know, 30, 40 hours. And I said, so you, you spent 40 hours working on it. And how much did it cost you? Oh, X amount of dollars for the supplies and everything. And then how much did it cost to get here? Well, $500 for the booth. And then I traveled here from another state. And I'm staying in a hotel. And I said, so you spent all this time creating this artwork. You spent all this money getting here. And then you're blowing it. 
And I'm like, they're like, well, what do you mean? I go, I've been watching you because I have a booth across from you. And people just keep coming up to your booth and flipping through your artwork. And you never even make eye contact. You don't even look up. You're either drawing or you're scrolling through your phone, man. I said, this is your chance. You're, you paid to be here. These are people who are interested. And you're blowing it. And they're like, oh, I'm so shy. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, that that you have to break out of that. And one of the things they can do, there's two things they can do. One is they can hire someone to do it for them if they're really big. But that takes a huge chunk out of any revenue they're going to make. And you got to really be successful to do that. But the other thing is you got to become a character. I've told them, I said, if you're here, if you're at the Walking Dead Con or you're at Awesome Con or Comic Con or wherever you're at and you're selling your paintings of the Walking Dead or the Joker and Batman or Harry Potter, you got to become someone you're not. You got to become this artist that is outgoing and obsessive on this fandom and you're going to engage every single person that walks up to your booth and you're going to make eye contact and you're going to talk to them and it doesn't have to be you. Create someone that is different from you, but otherwise don't bother coming here because you're blowing your money. And that's one of the advice I give because I, in, in my book, I, 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 I do a chapter on interviews with fantrepreneurs or fans of fantrepreneurs. And I asked a lot of people who I met who attend multiple cons and buy, I said, you walk into a comic con and there's, 20, maybe 30 artists who are drawing Batman, the Joker, and Harlequin. They're all a little different, but basically they're Batman, the Joker, and Harlequin. How do you pick which artist you're going to spend your money on and then keep going back to it? And they always said, it's the one that connected with me. Hmm. The one that I felt when I went up to their booth, they had the same passion that I had, that I talked to that uh, maybe I've seen on the social media posting that they're going to be here and, hey, come by my booth and look at this new painting I did and here's some ideas. And uh, and then after the con that I've walked past their booth, I filled out a yellow legal pad, my email address. You know, it wasn't like you had to be, uh, you know, uh, splitting atoms to get, <laughs> capture people's emails and that they followed up with me. And they said, hey. I'm going to be at the next con next year or, or uh, in next month, whatever. And that's how they've picked their artists that they buy from again and again because they feel that personal connection and they feel that that guy or that woman is as engaged and, and obsessive as they are. And if you're just sitting there drawing or scrolling through your phone, it's pointless to be there mm -hmm. because, you know, unless your art is so beyond everybody else's. No one's going to buy. Would you advise people who want to get involved in any of these ways to go to a convention and be a vendor? Seems like it, right? Of course. Yeah. Listen, that's a great uh, you, place. You, you have to do it. You know, you have to do it because that's how you're going to find the fandom. You can still do it online. And that's where most of it's done. You know, you're, you, you listen, you sell online, you're, you're chatting online, but ultimately, you know, they're never going to know you. Unless you go out there and say, listen, I can understand if you're an artist and you say, you know what, I don't want to be known. I, I, I prefer to keep my anonymity. Boy, I can't say anonymity. Boy, <laughs> blah. 
<laughs> anyway, um, if you, if you want to keep your uh, your secret identity, there you go. And uh, then sure, be, be online and everything. But no, you got to be at these cons, man. You got to meet the fans. That's why you know. It's funny. That's why the celebs do it. You know, they're not yeah. making huge bucks, but they're growing their fandom, and they know that's where the fans mm-hmm. are. And it really is. It is fun if you can get into it to actually connect with the people who are going to be appreciating whatever it is that you're doing. I think it's great. Like yeah, I've met lots of listeners at these things and it's just been amazing. Exactly. And you don't even need to have a booth, you know, you can walk around and mm-hmm. uh, I'll tell you a story um, uh, about another podcaster. I did. Um, uh, they, they, these two guys walked past me in the parking lot and they were both wearing t-shirts promoting their podcast, matching t-shirts and I stopped. I said, hey, you guys have a podcast? And they're like, yeah. And, you know, and I said, hey. And I introduced myself. I had a business card. I said, I'd like to do your podcast and everything like that. About a month later, they followed up with me, and I did their podcast. And I said to them, I go, the reason I recognized you, and I was literally just walking out to my car to get something at a break, because they had matching T-shirts. And they were walking side by side. And I, if one guy had a T-shirt, I would assume, hey, he probably just got a T-shirt from a podcast. Right. But they were both have it. So they promoted it caught my attention and, you know, and it promoted their brand because they, and all they were doing is walking around in matching T-shirts at the con, not vendors as attendees. And you can do that, too, to learn this work. Well, you walk the walk because you have your own product besides the business book. You, you have your zombie novel trilogy, the Exit Zero. And I was reading a little bit about that. And what really caught my eye is that you had a background in counterterrorism and emergency management and that that has something to do with these novels. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So in the, for the last 20 years, I've worked as a defense contractor and our focus has been chem bio red nuke explosives, what we call CBRNE, chem bio red nuke explosives. So I've had the fortune to meet all these people who are involved in countering WMD, weapons of mass destruction, um, CDC, HHS, um, uh, World Health Organization, uh, Joint Program Executive Office, Chem Bio Directorate. And one thing I have found is that a lot of these people from FEMA to the military to, uh, to overseas are into the zombie genre especially if they're in bio stuff, bioterrorism, biopandemic, and they like talking zombies. And so I had been doing this for so long. They would ask me to speak at conferences. And I said, you know, I, I'm not a subject matter expert. I'm really just a sales guy. I sell, you know, technology involved in countering WMD. And they said, well, you know, you can't go up there and just talk about your product. But you, you're you're been involved in this industry. Enough people know you and you're passionate about it that what can you talk about? So I went up at my first press and it was a bioterrorism conference. And I spoke about the, zomb- the coming zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and it was all these PhDs and scientists. And I, it's funny because I still have uh, the pictures and the video from the event. And I go up there all serious. And I start talking about the pending zombie apocalypse. And there's just friggin' silence in the room. And then I start steering the conversation towards preparedness is preparedness. Whether you're prepared for the zombie apocalypse or you're prepared for a massive flu outbreak or you're prepared for counterterrorism and bio, you're, you know, the, the subjects and the, and the issues you're going to deal with are all the same. And then so I kind of steered into normal territory. 
and people just came up to me where afterwards were like, you know, I heard 10 presentations today. You're the only one I remember, mm-hmm, nice. you know, and when you went up there, it was, it was, we all thought this was a joke. And then, yeah, you steered it into, uh, you know, more traditional grounds, but you caught our attention because, you know, after a while, after presentation, after presentation, it all becomes noise. And so everybody's like, you should write a book about this. And, you know, like I said, it took three years. That was 13 to 16. But I created the first book, Exit Zero. Went out there. Uh, first thing I did, I, I sent the treatment to all the publishers and they told me to pound sand. They, Who are you? Never heard of you. Contact us when you've written a number of books. So I wrote, self you know, edited itself, um, uh, published it, went out, went to the cons and promoted it and it just sold. And then I got picked up by a publisher and I said, yeah, you know, uh, let's, let's re-edit this thing and, and make it more professional and get it out there again under our brand. So they did. And then a year later, uh, that publisher kind of got working with another publisher and I said, we want two more of these. And uh, the, a year after that, the, the second book, Nuke Jersey, came out, and the third book, uh, Zombie Democracy, and the, that was the trilogy. And after Zombie Democracy, I was like, okay, I'm done, because writing is brutal. <laughs> you know, I love selling it. I love being out there with Especially fans. Especially for an talking. extrovert. Exactly. I, cause I am an extrovert yeah. and, and writing is an introverted process of, and especially when you finish the story and you've got it on a thousand different notepads and, and emails to yourself and different versions of the same story. And you got to just close yourself off from every family, kids, friends, and just write. Oh my God, it is torture. And, you know, I hope it's not torture for people to read it, but it's torture for them to, for me to write it. And so after I finished the third book, I said, I'm done. I've kind of proven it. I got the product. I can go out there and sell into the industry. I love to the fan base that I understand and I can talk about it. And that was done until um, I'm at all these cons. And again, extrovert, uh, during breaks, during downtimes, when people are in panels and not walk around the show floor, I would talk to other vendors and I would just start advising them because I've been in business for 30 years. Uh, you know what I noticed, like I would walk up and I'd say, Hey, you know, I've been standing in front of your booth now for like a minute and I minute and a half. I have absolutely no idea what you do. I'm looking around. I, I can't figure out what, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I, I, I'm a, a face painter or I'm a, we're doing an adventure camp. So, well, couldn't tell that. I go, That's a problem. You're mm-hmm. at an exhibit and and the person standing there and still has no idea what the hell you're doing. You're, you've got your whole display wrong. You've got your marketing wrong. You're you're not doing, uh, you know, the proper communication. And so I was like, you know, you should coach people on this. And I said, well, I don't have time to coach individuals, but then the book came about and that was it. And you were there from the beginning, you know, um, what, and, and the first pitch on that was I went up to Walker stalker, uh, folks. And I said, look, I said, some of the most interesting people here are the other vendors and their backstories on how the hell they launched a business based on the walking dead. They're more interesting than some of these actors. And they're like, well, we don't do that. We don't, you know, have panels on that. We only have panels on the actors, but we'll give it a shot. And so you and Jay and Dave and a couple others all came up on stage and we did a panel session. And that the the response to that, we we must have had at least 200 people in the audience. And they even told me they said that was more than a lot of the B-level celebrities 
that come and do these because people were interested. Not only the attendees were interested, but the other vendors were interested in the topic and left their booth to come over and listen to us. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And I said, I got to write this thing. That's awesome. Well, this book is, is really cool on a lot of different levels. If you're considering doing something related to whatever your fan passion is, you'll find some inspiration there. If you've been to the conventions and you know some of these players, Jay Boninsinga, Scott Spillman, uh, Chris Twelman, who looks just like Abraham, I'm sure you've seen him walking around, you get to uh, have a little bit of an insight into their um, how they got to where they are. And Jay in particular is so much fun to read. He's a, and he's so unique because, and I've told him a number of times that of all the writers I've met, he is such a nice guy. Absolutely. And so positive. And I thought when I first met him, because we had actually coordinated uh, the, the panel session through online and I hadn't ever met him. And so I meet him for the first time and the guy's the nice guy. And I said, there's something happening here. This guy's playing me. Uh, you know, cause I'm just <laughs> down, nice. at this point, I'm, I, I'm just suspicious and, and, and pessimistic. And he was so nice. I said, every author I've met has been miserable. You know, they're dark guys, you know, they're not friendly. They're, you know, not, I won't say everyone, but I would say the vast majority of them were pretty, uh, you know, not friendly, not open people. And he was just so open and friendly and funny and just happy and positive. I was like, how the hell is this guy writing walking dead books, man? You think this guy's got to be dark <laughs> sitting in his basement preparing for the apocalypse. And the guy's just great. I know. And yeah. So, and also it's for people that, you know, even if you're not going to start your own company, if you are a fan of the walking dead, cause I, I do a lot of riffs on, the Walking Dead genre and the fan base and why the fan base uh, resonates to it. And and, and it, it's also, it, if you just want to read about people like yourself, who you don't want to start a business, but you want to learn about other super fans out there, this is a, yeah. a, a good story about their, their stories. So how do people find it? Uh, you go to businessisdead.com. So uh, my first three books are found at exitzerozombie.com and that's uh that's the that's the fiction trilogy that's exit zero new jersey and zombie democracy but there's also a link at the new uh books site which is businessisdead.com it's also available at barnes and noble and um and uh amazon.com of course if you search up business is dead by uh, neil a cohen and I'll put that in the show notes for everybody. Neil, you're, I love your energy. You just, it's really infectious and you're a great person to talk to. I'm glad we finally found time to do this. So thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you so much. And thank you. And you guys all, all the fans out there have a great new year. Woohoo! All right. That's our show. Episode 382. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that and i hope you all had a great holiday and you're gonna have a great new year's and we'll be back sometime in january with some stuff and things for you guys actually i've been having the gaming bug again lately so i decided that we're gonna do an episode on the top 10 video games of the decade so if you guys are gamers or curious listen to that one and also send in your ideas what what games have you liked the most over the last 10 years in the meantime peace and love and don't get bit gail evans